everybody, and welcome back to Sports Touch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And believe it or not, just one week from Thursday, one week, the 2017 NFL season officially kicks off with the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And in that spirit, we would like to start a little tradition here on Sports Crunch, an annual NFL season preview. Tonight, we will give you a division-by-division breakdown of the NFL with pressing questions for each team and predict how this 2017 season, the NFL's 98th to be exact, will pan out. And to help us do so, it is a pleasure to welcome back to the program one of the best football minds in the business, Ian Wharton of Bleach Report. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing really well, David. You know, I'm excited to, to that we're this close to the season. You know, obviously that we got college football starting up this weekend, NFL starting up next week, like you mentioned. And so for me, it's the best time of the year. Amen. It is the best time of the year, Ian. And that's why you are on the show this evening. And before we begin, I want our listeners to know that Ian lives in the great city of Houston and he has escaped the worst of it. And our thoughts and prayers continue to be with you and everybody of Southeast Texas as you begin the long recovery from Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's a, it's terrible what's happened. Um, you know, like you said, I've been blessed to, to kind of miss the, the chunk of it. We're in a safe spot, but a lot of the city is is underwater right now. So it's, it's going to be an interesting recovery, but we appreciate everyone uh, keeping us in our thoughts. You're very welcome, Ian. And once again, folks, you are highly encouraged to donate money to the Red Cross to help with the recovery of Hurricane Harvey. Donate whatever amount you can. It'll be tremendously appreciated by the folks in Houston and the rest of Southeast Texas. And uh, now back to football. Let's start in the AFC East with the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. And they are the hands-down favorite to represent the AFC yet again in the Super Bowl. And if not win, their sixth franchise Lombardi trophy. But they experienced a setback this week as Julian Edelman, their amazing slot receiver, uh, was lost for the season with a torn ACL during their preseason game with the Lions. And other teams told Albert Breer of the MMQB that they are not counting on Edelman's season-ending ACL tear to significantly weaken the Patriots, and I actually agree. Yes, it is true that Edelman brings an irreplaceable dimension to the Patriots' offense, but if they can win a Super Bowl without Gronk like they did last year, they can certainly do so again without Edelman, especially given the juice they added on offense this offseason. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is a team with very few faults, very few issues on their roster. Um, Edelman, I think, is a guy that's very underrated across the league. A lot of folks believe that he's just a slot receiver that Tom Brady maximizes. I mean, in a sense, yeah, Brady does maximize him because he maximizes everybody. But I think Edelman's just a fantastic talent on his own. I think that he would be very productive in most situations, regardless of the quarterback and system. Uh, it just happens to be that he's in the perfect place for him. And so you know, looking across that roster, they still have decent receiver depth. Um, obviously, that trade for Brandon Cooks, I, I think, is really going to change that offense into a more explosive unit as opposed to just being a team that kind of nickels and dimes defenses down the field. I thought they upgraded at running back too. LeGarrette Blunt had all those touchdowns last year. Um, and so he was a fantastic play in terms of fantasy, but he wasn't really the most consistent player. He looks really old this year, even with Philadelphia. Uh, so I think that they upgraded that position, not only with Rex Burkhead, but also adding a guy like Mike Gillisley. I think that, that you're seeing Bill Belichick kind of go directions that the rest of the NFL isn't going. And he's exploiting some of those, um, some of those maybe underappreciated facets uh, of, the, of the game right now. And then defensively, the only question I have about them is their pass rushers. I don't think this is a team that really has great pass rushers. 
Trey Flowers on the defensive line is their best player, um, which he's a very fine defensive end. Um, but overall, there's not really a dominant star. But we've seen in the preseason, and we've, we're going to see it again in the regular season, they've overcome weaknesses like that. Uh, they're going to be able to scheme up ways to protect that secondary. And one of those ways was signing Stephon Gilmore, getting such a talented corner like that. He's going to do better there than he did in Buffalo. I'm quite confident in that. But their depth in that linebacker and, and defensive back core is something that's going to really help uh, protect them from edge rushers that are very young and experienced and maybe not quite dynamic. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, though, and I think they're the heavy, heavy favorite to be Super Bowl champions again. I completely agree with that. And moving on to your favorite team, the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill uh, re-aggravated his partially torn ACL during training camp and was encouraged to undergo surgery this time instead of getting the stem cell treatment that he opted for uh, in December. And to replace him, you signed Jay Cutler out of retirement. And Jay Cutler wouldn't have come out of retirement if Adam Gase was not the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Under Adam Gase, he arguably had his most efficient season as a pro two seasons ago in 2015. Is Jay Cutler an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill? And will he help the Dolphins return to the playoffs for the second consecutive season? I'm I'm not the biggest Jay Cutler fan. Uh, you know, I think he was an upgrade as far as what they had behind Ryan Tannehill, but I don't think he's better than Ryan Tannehill, especially at 34 years old, coming off of a shoulder surgery. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a better team than what he's coming to, than, than what he came from. Um, but he did also have some good Denver teams, and he also had some good Chicago offenses too. So it's not like this Dolphins team around him, the surrounding cast is all that much better than what he's had previously. In fact, I'd argue that Chicago gave him better weapons um, at some point during his stint there than what he has now in Miami, if you include the offensive line. So he's he's done you know, well with decent parts, but he's never really been that guy that really transforms an offense. And I think that especially with the age and the injury, it's going to be tough to overcome. I think there's enough of us. I actually think it's a slight step down from Tannehill, um, especially when you look at what this offense needs. Um, Cutler was not overly if, you know, effective the last season with, with Gase, um, even though it was one of his better seasons statistically, especially efficiency-wise. But when I went back and charted that season, he wasn't extremely accurate, especially uh, when compared to Ryan Tannehill. He just wasn't that consistent player that maybe in past seasons that he was and part of, part of that's age part of that was maybe a declining surrounding cast too um, but I think that he'll keep the Dolphins around that 500 mark especially in that division where it's so weak after them with the Bills and, and Jets um, but of course co- overcoming the Patriots is going to be tough and those are that might be two losses already on their record if, hin- if history is any indicator so overall I think the Dolphins have a tall task they might be in the wild card discussion um, but with weaknesses all around that offensive line um, and defensively, the the linebacker core took a hit with Raekwon McMillan's injury. The cornerback situation isn't fully sifted through yet. And that defensive tackle situation besides Ndamukong Sue has been a sore spot for a few years. So it's not a lot of huge question marks on this team, but the depth on the team I think is really lacking. And so, I mean, I, I think that we're looking at maybe like a seven or eight win team. That is my expectation for the Dolphins this year as well. And you mentioned the Jets or Bills, and both teams are essentially having fire sales, especially the Bills this past month. They've traded away their best wide receiver, Sammy Watkins, for draft capital. They traded away their best corner, Ronald Darby, for draft capital. And today, they traded away their second-round pick in 2016, Reggie Ragland, to the Kansas City Chiefs for more future draft capital. 
And the Jets, uh, since uh, since March, they've been unloading too. Like they've been unloading Darrell Revis, Nick Mangle, David Harris, some old mainstays, and have gotten infinitely younger with players that would be second or third stringers on most other teams at best. So it's going to be interesting. Both teams are apparently in take mode, uh, especially in anticipation of the 2018 uh, quarterback class. But it's kind of hard to tell which team is going to be worse uh, this year. Will it be the Jets or will it be the Bills? What's your guess? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to go with the Jets just because I think the Bills still have some workable pieces. Um, I have a little bit more faith in their coaching staff, too. As much as I like Todd Bowles for the Jets, it seems like they're – very cognizant of a tank um, and that they've been planning on tanking this entire off season. So uh, even keeping bulls around for another year, even if he is a lame duck coach um, I just, I look at the jets and I, I don't see any real pass rushers besides um, those interior defensive linemen that they have. We could still see Sheldon Richardson traded. Um, they don't really have any defensive backs worth anything besides the two rookies um, that they drafted at safety uh, so, you know, Jamal Adams and um, Marcus May, but ultimately they're relying on a lot of young players at almost every key position. Uh, Josh McCown is a guy who's always gotten hurt as a starter. So we're probably going to see Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg for the majority of the season. If history is any indicator there, um, I just think that that's a recipe for maybe a, a one or two win team. Whereas Buffalo, at least they have Sean, uh, Sean McCoy, at least they have Tyron Taylor, Tyrod Taylor if they do keep him, if he is healthy coming off the concussion. Um, they have some veterans on the offensive line. They've got veterans on the defense, especially in that front seven. They're going to be a team that's still tough to play, even if they're not necessarily a threat to win eight games. I think they're probably going to be like a five-win team uh, if that coaching staff can maximize what they have. And they're at least going to be a team that is able to be physical and some teams are going to be caught off guard with that, if, especially if Taylor's healthy. Now, if they get rid of Tyrod Taylor, then it's I think it's a toss-up. I think if they're going to like Nathan Peterman, who's been really poor this preseason, and I wasn't really a fan of his coming out of college either, um, then I think that we're maybe having a different discussion. But they have enough playmakers, I think, to outperform the Jets. And let that race to the top of the 2018 NFL draft begin between the Jets and the Bills. And now moving on to the AFC North division, and you go to the reigning AFC North champion Steelers. Uh, I think the biggest uh, headline for them this year is the return of Martavis Bryant from that year-long suspension. And I mentioned the statistics on this program um, comparing the Steelers offense and Roethlisberger in particular with Bryant on the field versus the stats with Bryant off the field. And the difference is staggering. Aside from those statistics, how does the return of Martavis Bryant make the Steelers offense even more dangerous? Give us uh, your film breakdown as to why that is the case. Oh, he, he is tremendously influential. I mean, and that's interesting to say on an offense that has Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, but Bryant is a guy who truly affects the defense, especially in the safety alignment. He makes Ben Roethlisberger's job so much easier because he threatens the defense vertically, and he is an incredible deep threat. He is such a freaky athlete. Um, we've seen it even in the preseason with the backups with Landry Jones and Josh Dobbs. In the little bit that he's played, he's still influencing the defense. And, and you know, if we can see Sammy Coates, um, Eli Rogers, Justin Hunter, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, who's been hurt and banged up this preseason, but if those guys can capitalize on a guy like Bryant, um, Bryant kind of has like this gravity about him that he 
is going to draw in defenders. You're going to see plays where he's triple or double or triple teamed, and it's going to leave other guys wide open. And sometimes that's going to be Antonio Brown, where you're even with Brown is single covered. So it just makes this offense even more dynamic. And it was already one of the top three or five offenses in the game. So they are, I think, going to be the favorite in this division to, to repeat to win, um, led by this tremendous offense. I agree. And if the big four of Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Martavis Bryant stay healthy, do you think the Steelers are the AFC team best equipped to challenge the Patriots, or will their defensive issues, particularly in the secondary, prove too costly? Well, you know, that's a great question. If we look back at last year, I don't know that talent was the issue for the Steelers. I think that they are maybe lacking a couple playmakers and edge rushers, ideally, but I think their biggest thing is that they are so conservative as far as a game planning team. They trot out the same game plan every week, and their philosophy is this is what we're going to play, and you are just going to have to beat us at our game. Well, unfortunately, their defense is does not match up well with what the Patriots do. They actually need to change their adjustment, change and adjust what they do um, on a weekly basis and come up with a unique game plan to play the Patriots. If they can do that, I think they have the talent to beat the Patriots, especially just in one game in the playoffs, they can outshoot any team in the league. The problem is, is that if they're going to walk in there playing uh, this soft zone defense, Tom Brady, he's seen that a million times before, and he's going to tear that apart. So I'm skeptical in the Steelers just because the tendencies have been the same for years. Um, but if they're willing to switch it up a little bit, I think that they probably are uh, the biggest threat to the Patriots, at least in terms of talent. I agree, and but I think it's not going to be a walk in the park in their division with the Cincinnati Bengals, especially with the improved weapons around Andy Dalton, the draft selections of John Ross and Joe Mixon in particular, and they've also added more juice to their um, uh, pass rush, which has underachieved in recent years with Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson, who have looked very good in training camp at preseason, and those additions have given the Bengals the potential to bounce back to their 2015 ways, and challenge Pittsburgh for the AFC North crown. However, my big concern with them is obviously their offensive line. They gave up 41 sacks last year and they only got even worse on paper during the offseason, given the departures of Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler in free agency. And uh, thus the offensive line, especially as uh, Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher, their two tackles could make or break the season for the Bengals. Do you think the Bengals can still contend for the division if their offensive line doesn't dramatically improve? You know, I, I don't think so. I, I think that even last year, this was a pretty limited team. I think that Andy Dalton is a guy that he just needs so much help around him. And he's got a very good situation this year, especially if Tyler Eifert is going to be healthy this year. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, that addition, John Ross, those were great additions to this team. Um, you know, the offensive line is going to have to be at least average to above average, though. Dalton is such a different player when there's any pressure bearing down on him or if he even feels like there's pressure bearing down on him that it's it, he's a guy that's just he's so hot and cold with that that he's hard to count on and I, I just don't I'm not overly optimistic about this team it's it's got a secondary issues they've got linebacker issues now with Vontez Burfecht being suspended I think that that suspension is probably going to be cut down from five games but even if it's not like they have a, a great amount of depth on either side of the ball. As much as I did like their draft this past year, I thought that they did a great job of adding talent, Carl, Carl Lawson and Jordan Willis. Um, they were actually one of my favorite draft classes, but they just they rely so much on young players, and that can be a good thing, but it also creates a little bit of volatility 
and a little bit of unpredictableness. I'm not buying the Bengals in 2017. I think that for me, they're probably more of like a 2018 team. You could you could very well be right there, Ian. And the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which in my opinion is the third best team in this division right now, they have lost 10 players to season-ending injuries since June 1st. Talk about brutal. Do you think the Ravens will take another step backwards and end up with a top 10 pick in the draft, or do they essentially repeat last year's 8-8 eight eight campaign? Yeah, they've, they've done a really good job, I think, of overcoming injury issues and overcoming talent issues. I don't think that they're an incredibly – a uh, talented team, as good as the defense does look, especially that back four um, and back five, they've really dedicated the assets to make that a tremendous secondary. Um, but I'm not buying that this is a team that's going to even hit eight and eight again. If they do, it's going to just be by the skin of their teeth. And they're probably preying on the uh, maybe like the Browns and the Bengals because I, I just look at the injuries, like you mentioned, and that's it's so hard to overcome. You take so many shots as far as your depth and you can only overcome so much. I think that Joe Flacco has got to play a lot better when he does come back from injury. Um, he hasn't been the same guy. I don't think in the last two or three years, I don't really think he's even an average quarterback at this point since the ACL injury. And so, um, yeah, they, they just, they've got challenges throughout their roster. Uh, offensively, I think are my bigger concerns relying on some guys that are aging like Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin. We don't know what kind of condition Macklin's in still tight end position has been ravaged. Um, I think it's it's going to be a competitive team. They're they're a very physical team, and a, they're always consistently physical, which I think does matter. It's going to steal them one or two games that maybe they shouldn't win. Uh, but overall, I think this is probably a six, seven, maybe eight win team at best if some things break. Luckily for them, I agree. And you mentioned the Cleveland Browns, and speaking of them, I really like what the Browns are doing. I think they are doing exactly the right thing to finally get that team back into playoff contention. I love Hugh Jackson and his offensive schemes, and I think he's going to get the most out of Deshaun Kaiser, whether or not he is the long-term answer, I don't know, but I still expect him to maximize Kaiser to the um, utmost extent. And I really like what they're doing on defense, obviously with Miles Garrett as the first overall pick in the 2017 draft. And they've also loaded up on edge rushers, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, Carl Nassib, to name some others. And also uh, Jabril Peppers could be a stud as he showed uh, his promise with that interception off Jameis Winston uh, this past weekend. And they have an amazing offensive line. Aside from uh, the future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas, they've signed Kevin Zeitler and J.C. Treader. And uh, they uh, extended Joel Petonio. They have uh, they could have one of the elite offensive lines in the NFL this year, which can make life infinitely easier on their young quarterback and on their running game with Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson. And uh, if Corey Coleman can stay healthy, I think he can um, be a legitimate uh, weapon for them on offense. I don't expect the Browns to win a lot of games personally, but I absolutely feel they're heading in the right direction. And I think they're not going to be an easy out at all this year. Uh, where would you set the over-under on Browns' wins this season, and would you take the over or under? I think my over-under on them would be probably six, um, and I, maybe five and a half or six. So I would probably say they're going to win six or seven. Um, so maybe in that range, five and a half, six and a half, whatever you think, um, especially going to Sean Kaiser. Like, I'm a big fan of that move. I think that that's going to be the best decision for them long-term. He's easily the youngest quarterback in the league, so there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs with him. Um, and in his nature in general, he is a variance passer. So he's going to be someone that hits big plays and he's going to miss easy plays. Hopefully that changes a little bit where he can start making more of the easier plays and being less of a, uh, an up and down performer. But 
as a young player, he's going to have that roller coaster, and then his nature is also similar to that. But he's surrounded by great weapons. I think they could use another two receivers on this roster outside of Britton Coleman. They really don't have much. Um, the tight end position, uh, t- you mentioned David Njoku. I thought that was a really nice pickup. Um, but he's also got to kind of prove himself in the NFL too. So, uh, you know, Hugh Jackson, I think that he's really got a good situation here. I hope that they commit to the run, work off of play action a little bit better, uh, a little bit more often. Um, defensively, this is a fast defense. This is a talented defense, and they cover up some of their issues with playing so fast and being so aggressive. Uh, Greg Williams, some of that can be exploited, especially as teams start to game plan for it. Um, and it's a young defense, so there's going to be communication breakdowns, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but overall, I'm really optimistic about this defense as far as their jump from last year to this year. And overall, I think this is going to be a very competitive team. I actually think they might be the third best team in this division. Um, and if they're not, I think that they're going to be right in the mix with the Bengals and Ravens kind of finishing in that same six to eight win range. That could very well be a possibility. And uh, you're as bullish on the Browns future as I am. And uh, I'm glad to hear that. And moving on to the AFC South. And you look at the two teams currently at the top of the division, which are the Texans and Titans. And they're near opposites of one another. The Titans have a loaded offense yet an extremely suspect defense, especially in the secondary. And the Texans, they might have the best defense in the NFL, especially front seven-wise. But on offense, there's still a lot to be desired, especially given the fact the quarterback position, that Tom Savage, who was extremely limited, won that quarterback competition running away, and Deshaun Watson looks nowhere near uh, ready to play. So my question is, which unit is more likely to carry their team to the division title? Would you bet on the Titans' offense or the Texans' defense? That's a great question. I think that I would probably go with the Titans offense and kind of cross my fingers and hope a little bit that some of the money that they spent on that secondary, they did allocate a lot of resources to that secondary. We saw a Dory Jackson go in the first round. They did sign uh, Jonathan Cyprian to upgrade their strong safety position and then Logan Ryan as well. But overall, I don't think that any of those three are actually like overly talented as far as Uh, being able to impact and kind of change that defense to me, it's just kind of like a solid unit. It's not, it's not horrific. Maybe, maybe even average, I guess average is probably a better term for it. I don't see a bunch of playmakers back there. I don't see guys um, who are extremely consistent. Um, And that goes for the entire defense outside of uh, Drell Casey, you know, and and Brian Rackpo. I mean, they've got good players, but they don't have great players. I think that's going to hold them back. And, And even offensively, it's such a young unit they're going to have up and down weeks. We saw it last year. A lot of people are fully bought into Marcus Mariota. I'm not ready to hit that spot yet. I think he's a good player, but I think he's a guy that still needs to kind of find more consistency, be a better deep passer outside of just what the scheme gets him. Um, but he's close. I, I think he is a good player. Houston, you're right. The defense is phenomenal, and they're going to be in a lot of games uh, just because of that defense. The question is – what can they do on offense? And it's just such a limited group. I don't think Bill O'Brien has done a great job maximizing the talent on that unit. Um, he doesn't really play to Lamar Miller's strengths. He doesn't really play to guy like Braxton Miller, who's in the slot. You haven't really seen a ton of him getting a ton of targets in the preseason. Will Fuller's hurt. Uh, the offensive line is pretty mediocre. So it's, it's, it's a tough position to be in where Tom Savage is limited. He's not going to maximize these guys. And then the scheme doesn't really always seem to make sense. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to lean towards the Titans because of their youth and hopefully they take the next step. 
I am hopeful for the Titans as well. And moving on to the Indianapolis Colts, and this is a situation that I feel very bad about because I am a big, big Andrew Luck fan, and I thought that Ryan Grigson completely let him down, and God forbid, maybe he destroyed his career. I am hoping, please, football gods, that that's not true, but it could very well be a possibility. And Andrew Luck, obviously, is not expected to play week one, uh, still rehabbing off-season shoulder surgery, and it's not only is he expected to miss week one, there is still some chatter that he could miss the first two, if not three or, or four games of, of the regular season. Even when he does return, it's probably going to take him an extra month to get back into shape. And given the circumstances with Andrew Luck, plus the fact that Chris Ballard is essentially overhauling the roster, uh, do you think 2017 is another lost year for the, for the Colts? I think it is. Yeah, I think this is a this is definitely a rebuilding year for them. I'm a big fan of what Chris Ballard has done in his first year there. I think he's added a lot of good talent, um, and, and I think that they could continue to add assets if they move a guy like Philip Dorsett, uh, who we've seen is available for trade. Uh, but you know, it's tough though. It's it's tough to overcome injuries. Ryan Kelly, you mentioned Andrew Luck. You know, I don't know what you're supposed to do in a situation like that. Sign Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I don't. I don't know that that's even the best long-term thing to do with this roster. I almost feel like this is a team that could use a high draft pick and help get a better edge rusher um, and continue to rebuild that secondary. You know, they've gotten some really tough breaks. Clayton Gathers is also on the pup list. He's a really good safety that they were developing, and then all of a sudden, boom, he gets injured. So I think this is a pretty bad team overall. I, I like some of the signings that they made to keep them competitive. Um, but if Luck is going to miss multiple games, I think we're maybe looking at a, a team that's going to pick in the top 10. I totally agree there, Ian. This is a rebuilding year for the Colts, yet I wholeheartedly believe in Chris Ballard's ability to get this team back to contention sooner rather than later. I was a huge fan of what they did in the draft this year, as well as those value free agency signings, especially at pass rusher as well. And now moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, I was very excited about their potential on defense this year, given that they added Calais Campbell to team up with Malik Jackson to give them a lethal interior ed, uh, interior pass rush. And added A.J. Boye to be a bookend corner to Jalen Ramsey and uh, Barry Church in the secondary to potentially make their secondary uh, very tough to pass the ball against. And keep in mind, this was the sixth uh, overall defense in the NFL last year. They can only get better with these additions. And if you look at their offensive skill position players, it looks like a, a feast. They're loaded, but Blake, the Bortles just continues to minimize the potential of this team drastically. And it is extremely fair to say that Blake Bortles is a draft bust. And this is probably his last year in Jacksonville. And I think this year for Jacksonville, I think their goal is to just figure out what to do next, especially at the quarterback position. But not only there, I think it's the organizational structure as well. If the Jaguars win only five games or less this year, do you think Tom Coughlin will fire Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell and give himself total control over the franchise? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, this was a team that they really wanted Mitch Trubisky in the draft. This was a team that was close to trading up for Mitch Trubisky. And I know that if they would have made that trade, they actually had a deal in place to move Blake Bortles um, to Arizona. So this was a team that was looking to upgrade the position. They weren't in love with the rest of the quarterbacks, though, and so that didn't happen. And I know that a lot of people talk about Deshaun Watson, but it's not Watson that they wanted. So to me, that already says that they weren't all in on Blake, um, but they didn't. They also didn't feel like there was another um, option out there to go upgrade the position. And so they're they're kind of victims of their own decision making. 
Um, taking Leonard Fournette in the first round, I think, was questionable. Cam Robinson in the second round, he struggled in the preseason. Their offensive line is, is kind of up and down still, but the rest of the team is pretty solid. They do need a little bit more, but overall, I mean, they've spent so much money, and some of that hasn't worked out. But you know, this is a team that I do think that this is probably the last year for multiple people in that situation. Marone, it'll be interesting to see if they move on from him so quickly. Um, I think he is a bit of a lame duck head coach there. And if they are able to get a guy um, as, a, as a major upgrade that maybe maybe has more ties to Coughlin, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Coughlin's a bit of a wild card. You would expect him to want to win right away. And so for me, I think that we're going to see them probably chase free agent quarterbacks next year and uh, try to, to, to band-aid the position maybe a little bit more than draft and uh, and try to slow cook this team. That is a strong possibility there, and he is Ian Wharton, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study, and you could also see his weekly work at BleachReport.com during the season, especially that NFL 1000 feature where he scouts cornerbacks, folks. It's great work, and you are highly encouraged to check it out throughout this NFL season. And moving on to conclude our tour around the AFC with the AFC West. And let's start with a team that I remain very bullish on, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. And despite injuries to Forrest Lamp, the promising rookie guard who will miss this season with a torn ACL, that will obviously hurt in the run game. Mike Williams, their first-round pick, who will probably start the year on, on the pup list with a back injury, and Denzel Perryman, their stud linebacker, who is likely to miss the first half of the season with an ankle injury. The Chargers arguably remain on paper the most balanced team in the AFC West, in my opinion. You still have one of the best quarterbacks of the century in Phillip Rivers and a load of skill position talent on offense. Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. Yes, Antonio Gates is old, but he can still score you some touchdowns. Uh, uh, Dontrell Inman, Tyrell Williams, you, you name it. They're loaded there. And on defense, you have a, un a unit that is built with a similar basic foundation as the 2015 Broncos were. They have two shutdown cornerbacks like the Broncos have with Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. They got Jason Brent and Casey Hayward. And arguably the best pass rushing duo in the league. The Broncos had Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware that year. Chargers arguably have the best duo with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram this year. Barring any other significant injuries, can the Chargers win the AFC West in 2017? I think they're in the discussion. This is a really difficult uh, division for me to project. I really like the talent on the Chargers, and it starts with Rivers. He's got one of the better supporting casts he's had in a long time. But even that, he's still dealing with injuries on that offensive line, and it's just it's unbelievable bad luck. Um, I thought Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney were going to be the guys who instantly came in and started at both of the guard positions, or at least center guard if you wanted to put uh, one of those players at center. Well, with Lamp getting hurt, now they feel like they can't start Feeney, and they want Feeney cross-trained at both center and right guard uh, to help hedge against other injuries that could happen. So it's a really bad situation where they're already trying to plug holes um, like that, but they have a really good secondary. Their cornerbacks are among the best in the league, at least if you're looking at the starters. The safeties are decent enough. The linebackers are okay, and I think that those two positions are going to be issues for them this year. Um, as far as what offenses are going to attack on a weekly basis, but their defensive line is very good and their edge rushers are very talented. So they have talent in a lot of the right places. Um, the, the question for me is depth and then how bad are some of their bad starters? So I think you can only overcome so much at certain positions. And so there's a few question marks, but I think this might be an eight win team and someone that is at least in the mix if they can stay healthy. 
Yes, the Chargers are snake bitten. Unfortunately, that's all you could say. And uh, God willing, they could stay healthy to achieve the most of their potential this year and staying in the state of California with the Oakland, but soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. As much as I love the Raiders offense, and I think it will only get better this year, especially Derek Carr, their defense, Sans Khalil Mack, still concerns me tremendously. And that worry was further magnified the way the Rams carved them up in preseason, in week two of the preseason, that is. Uh, do you think the Raiders take a step back record-wise this year before they take the next big leap forward? I do, and part of that is such high expectations last year. Obviously, they got so many wins last year, it's, it's, it's hard. It would be very difficult for them to stand put. Um, it's very likely with that defense, I think, that they will take a major step back. Uh, Gary and Conley, we're expecting to see him on the field soon, but he still hasn't played. Obi Melifon, who was their second-round pick, we we only saw play one preseason game. Um, and he may play in the fourth one, but still, it's at that point, you're kind of just getting him out there to to kind of get his legs ready for it. But um, overall, this, is a, this defense is just awful. And a lot of their signings have not worked out. A lot of their draft picks have not worked out. Carl Joseph looks decent. Um, Sean Smith is still their best corner, which is an issue because Smith has really struggled and he's not aged well after having a great career with uh, the Chiefs, a short stint with the Chiefs there. So the front seven's a major issue besides Mack, and and I don't really know how they're going to stop anybody. Now, luckily for them, they've got the offense to put up as many points as they give up, but we've seen that before. We see that every few years, a great offense just can't overcome a bad defense. They might be the AFC's version of the Saints this year. That just might be. And moving on to the defending AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I look at this year as a bridge year for them. I still think they're going to be very, very good. And I still think they're going to make the playoffs. And if they had Phillip Rivers, they would probably be the most balanced team in the division. Their roster, depth, and talent is within millimeters of that of the Chargers, in my opinion. Yes, the efficient but unspectacular Alex Smith will remain their quarterback this year, and they will unlikely reach the Super Bowl for that reason alone, barring a miracle. But Patrick Mahomes, the performance of their first-round pick, rookie quarterback from Texas Tech, his performance this season has to give Chiefs fans optimism that they might have found the final piece that will eventually push this championship-caliber roster over the top. How optimistic are you about Patrick Mahomes? I'm very optimistic on Mahomes. He was my top quarterback entering the, the draft season, and I thought that going to Kansas City would be tremendous for his development. We're already seeing some improvement, I think, on some of the, some of the issues, especially being under center turning his back and reading defenses. Um, now he's had a limited amount of throws, as all the rookies have, and you still see a bit of his wild style, but I think that that wild style is part of what I love about him and part of what I love about his upside and why I think he'll be a very good player in time. I don't think we'll see him this season unless if something goes wrong with, with Alex Smith as far as an injury, um, and I think that you're right. I think that what Smith is as far as his consistency is uh, – is going to be something that is is a positive for them in the regular season. I think it's very limiting for them in the playoffs. But to me, they would probably be my favorite if I were to handicap who's my favorite in that division. Although I do think all four teams are pretty close. They all have major flaws, and they all have uh, very good strengths as well. The, the defense of the Chiefs in general is a good strength, and the, the reliability and the consistency, even though it's not a high-end offense, their consistency of the offense is also a strength too, because you generally know what you're going to get out of that unit. You most certainly do, but uh, you're definitely right about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he definitely, by next year, I think he could very well take the Chiefs to the next level. And concluding our tour of the AFC with my favorite team, the Denver Broncos, 
I view the Broncos as a team in a perilous place, stuck between past glory, such much of their 2015 defense remains intact, and several young players, most notably guys like uh, Justin Simmons, for instance, he can break out as well this year. And future uncertainty, especially given the fact with the new head coach and Vance Joseph, the uncertainty on offense, especially at the quarterback position, at the offensive line position, although I am warming up uh, bigly to the draft selection of Garrett Bowles, for the record. Uh, do you think the Broncos need to take a step back in 2017 in order to better determine their path going forward? Well, I think that they have a, a reasonable way to actually salvage this season, and I, I think that that comes in a very uh, a little bit of a, a polarizing direction, and that's either uh, by signing Colin Kaepernick, a quarterback, or by exploring a trade maybe for Tyrod Taylor. I, I think that this is a team – if you inserted a quality veteran quarterback, and we're not talking about a high-end quarterback, we're talking about an average type of quarterback, which I believe both Taylor and Kaepernick are similar as far as where they rank amongst the NFL, I think both of them would be massive improvements on what they have, though, especially with Paxton Lynch kind of flaming and burning out uh, at this point in the offseason. Now he's hurt, so uh, things just continue to be negative, negatively uh, adding on to that list of, of his offseason. So and preseason. So I think that I look at this team and I think they are ready to compete. If this team had a quality quarterback, I think that they could be the Patriots biggest contender. It's just right now with Trevor Simeon at the helms, I just, I have no confidence that they're going to be able to beat a team like the Patriots uh, in the playoffs. So I, I like this team overall. They do have some minor weaknesses here and there. And you mentioned that, especially with the offensive line, I think Garrett Bowles has been very uh, promising though. And I think that the the defense, if they can withstand some of the injuries that they've had, which I, I think that they'll be able to, that looks like they have pretty good depth overall, and that secondary is phenomenal. Uh, this is a team that should be amongst the AFC's best. I just think that at the quarterback position, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot by not seeking an upgrade and not being aggressive in trying to get that upgrade. You've got a lot of great players on this team and superstars in their prime. I think that they're going to continue, if they don't sign somebody better at quarterback or trades for someone better, they're going to be wasting another year like they did last year. Yes, kind of similar to the Houston Texans with that elite defense, yet their quarterback position is an absolute mess. Uh, they're kind of like a t twin brothers, dare I say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, very similar. And it's like, you look at why the Patriots have been so dominant for so long, and part of it is because these teams continue to make decisions like this and they sit on their hands or if they do try, they just make really massive mistakes. And, uh, you know, we saw it with, with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. It's like, well, they've swung for the fences, and they nailed that that uh, signing, and it just elevated them to this to this level that we're able to con contribute uh, to the NFL and kind of get away from parity, and you kind of saw a dominant team. So I think that that's a good thing, and they should continue to want that, even if it's taking a chance on a guy like Kaepernick or a guy like Tyrod Taylor who – aren't perfect quarterbacks and aren't going to be the next Peyton Mannings, but they can at least be solid and be like a Jake Plummer type on a very good surrounding team. And we will see what John Elway has up his sleeve either this year or in the 2018 off season. And that concludes our trip over the AFC and now moving on to the NFC starting in the East and kind of like the AFC South with the Titans and the Giants, the two teams atop this division currently um, are polar opposites. You have one team in the Cowboys who has a star-studded offense, um, especially when everybody's playing. Uh, I'm not sure how they'll fare without Ezekiel Elliott, but that wild card um, remains to be seen given his hearing this week. Uh, and the New York Giants, who, who whose defense um, 
came out of nowhere last year and became one of the NFL's elite. And I think they can only be better this year, but an offense with a franchise quarterback at Eli Manning that is regressing. And uh, yes, they got Odell Beckham. Yes. Uh, they, they signed Brandon Marshall, but it's questionable uh, to see what he has left as well. And this, and, and the offensive line is just terrible. So it's kind of a similar conundrum in the NFC East as is in the AFC South. And I repeat this question again, which unit is more likely to almost single-handedly carry their team to the NFC East division title, the Cowboys offense or the Giants defense? Oh, that's, that's another really tough one. It's another great question. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas on this one just because I, I think that their offense is so strong um, and it's so consistent, even when even with Ezekiel Elliott out. I just think that Darren, I mean, as much as I love Ezekiel Elliott, I think they're going to be fine with Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. I give Dak, Dak Prescott a little bit more credit than I think some others do. Uh, I think he can handle this on his own, and, and he's probably going to see a little bit of a drop-off uh, without Elliott, but I think that he's going to be fine as far as handling it on his own. Uh, at least, I mean, not even really on his own. He still has good playmakers around him, but um, a little bit more of the burden on his shoulders. Defensively, yes, they definitely have issues. The secondary, they added a bunch of young players to that unit. A lot of those young players are not going to contribute much, and that's just the, the nature of the position. As opposed to the, the Giants, I just can't get over that offensive line. And that that's literally it. I'm not a big Eli Manning fan, but I at least respect him as an average quarterback, and he's going to do well with the tremendous uh, surrounding cast that he's been given. They can't run the ball, and they can't pass protect. And with Eli Manning, you know, this is a guy – He's been around, you know, just like Rivers and such. But, I mean, he's 36 years old now. He's going to be 37 next year, and that's shortly after the new year. So, to me, he's a guy that's definitely, I think, at risk of getting hurt. I think he's a guy that at risk of dropping off in his performance in a major way, and I still don't think he was that great prior to that. So, they're going to be they're – they're both going to be very competitive week in, week out. I think you'll see Dallas take a step back. And so where those losses come from are going to be important. Um, but I don't know that the Giants are going to be the team that takes advantage of that fully just because they, they're they not going to be able to pass, protect, or run the ball. And their first test will definitely come in that week one matchup on Sunday night football at AT&T Stadium uh, when the Giants face the Cowboys on national TV. And the, and the Cowboys potentially being without Ezekiel Elliott in that game will show us uh, how close the Giants are to dethroning the Cowboys uh, in that division. And uh, speaking of the Giants, uh, you mentioned Eli Manning. To many people, he looked washed up last year. How much does he have left in your view? Yeah, I don't I don't think he has much. I, I don't think he has much. I think that he is on the, the back few years. Um, you know, I, if I were them, I would definitely be looking for a replacement sooner than later. And that might come in the 2018 NFL draft. And speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, do you think Dak Prescott could take the next big step in his development, especially if Ezekiel Elliott isn't there for the first six games? I think so. You know, I, I think some of the issues were that uh, people wanted to attribute all of his success to his surrounding cast. And yes, he does have a great offensive line, but he's also a very accurate quarterback on short and intermediate passes. And he's a guy that processes uh, pre-snap defenses extremely well. And those are things that rookie quarterbacks are just, it's so uncommon um, that, that that happens. And so when he already enters the season as an advanced NFL mind and an advanced accuracy passer, uh, I think that he's already ahead of the curve. And I think that he's going to have success because of that. Now, the question is maybe his upside. I don't know that he has a tremendous upside because it's not like physically he hasn't unlocked anything yet. He kind of plays to his full 
uh, physical potential. Um, so I think for him, it's just continuing to get better throwing downfield, continuing to be aggressive. Um, but I think he's already playing at a high level. So I don't, I don't know that he has to really take a huge step forward. I think he just has to avoid uh, really falling for traps that maybe defenses are going to set for him now that they have a full year of film on him. It's going to be very interesting to see what Dak Prescott does in his second year. And he obviously showed a lot of promise last year, and it's going to be fun to watch. And moving on to the Washington Redskins. Yes, this is a team with quite a bit of talent, especially on offense. But the elephant of the room remains Kirk Cousins and his long-term future with the team. He's playing on the franchise tag for the second straight year. And the day when the franchise tag deadline passed, the Redskins front office uh, issued a statement saying that we offered Kirk uh, the highest guarantee at signing in NFL history for a quarterback, but uh, that statement was mostly false, given the fact that they offered him essentially the same as what he would make under the franchise tag, so it was not even close to his market value. So they clearly tried to make Kirk Cousins look look like a villain um, in the eyes of Redskins fans. And I think that might have created some sort of internal feud between Cousins and the Redskins front office and how big of a distraction can that feud be? Well, I think it could be a huge one, especially losing Sean McVay. We've seen McVay do a nice job already uh, with the Rams and we've kind of seen the Washington offense struggle a little bit in the preseason. Now some of that's going to be by design. Gruden, Jay Gruden's going to keep things vanilla and uh, you don't want to show too much, but you know, they're relying on a lot of young players. Josh Doxson, we haven't seen, uh, really be healthy in his time in the NFL yet. Unfortunately, Terrell Pryor, he's got to create that rapport uh, with uh, with Kirk Cousins. Jameson Crowder, we know he's going to be good. Um, Jordan Reed's a guy, uh, health-wise, he's always going to be a question mark. So I think that there are enough question marks, and it could end up working out. But if things start to go poorly for this team, can they recover from a slow start? If they do have a slow start, if they jump out of the gate and they're 2-4, and four, and the rest of the NFC East is playing better, and they're maybe two games back, and we're not even at week eight yet, we could maybe see some of those issues. We could maybe start hearing some of those whispers out of a defense that has been uh, really just patchwork together. The defense is, is not great overall. They've been improving their depth, uh, but it lacks stars, especially in that front seven. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Jonathan Allen, those are going to be really their two best players. And so that's that's tough. Preston Smith's a good young player too, but – there's just not much that, you know, there's a, there aren't many names that you can point to on that defense to say they're going to hold it down. If this offense struggles, if the offense struggles, they're just not going to win games. So I, I think this is a combustible situation. I think everyone expects cousins to go to San Francisco next year. I wouldn't rule out the Jaguars in that. I think the Jaguars are going to have a good chance of getting him. Um, but I, I think he's, he feels like a situation where he has one foot out the door already. And that's dangerous. It most certainly is, and the quarterback situation is the exact opposite of dangerous, at least for the moment, in Philadelphia, where Carson Wentz looks to improve and build off a promising uh, first half of his uh, 2016 rookie campaign. And if you look at the Eagles, they've quietly built a very solid roster. They've gotten Carson Wentz more weapons to play with, with Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. Uh, and uh, Zach Ertz definitely appeared to take a step forward last year in Doug Peterson's offense. And if you look at their defense, they have arguably one of the best front fours in the league, uh, given the presence of Fletcher Cox and Timmy, Timmy Jernigan uh, inside. And also they upgraded their secondary by trading for uh, Ronald Darby a couple weeks ago. 
so this team has a lot of promise. Can they contend for a wild card playoff spot this year, or are they still a year away from doing so? I think I think they can. I, I do actually think that they can compete for that. I, I have a couple worries about this roster too. I worry about the lack of a, a, a really quality running back. I don't think that they have a really good running back. I think they have a bunch of guys who are best as second or third running backs. Um, but overall, I think the rest of the offense is ready to take off if Carson Wentz is able to take off. And he's a guy that he has to make some some adjustments to his game, especially consistency and accuracy and decision-making-wise. Those are a lot of question marks for a young player, but they're normal question marks for a young player. Um, I thought that he really struggled down the, the stretch last year with his confidence and decision-making and being able to take on more of the offense. Well, now he's had a full offseason, and we'll see if he's able to take that next step. He's going to have to. Um, if they don't, I think they're going to end up similar to last year, even with the improved weapons. I think a lot of their issues uh, were not with the offensive weapons last year, even though they didn't have great offensive weapons. So it's clearly been upgraded, and so we're going to find out pretty quickly, I think, what some of what the issue was last year at least. Um, it's possible that multiple things were the issues, but defensively this team's definitely reloaded. Um, Darby I thought was a great pickup by them. Uh, they don't have a great other cornerback situation. I, th- I think at both the slot and also the other outside corner position, there's some major question marks. Um, but the rest of the defense is set. It's a physical, it's a fast group, it's a very dynamic group, and this defense is going to be one of the best in the league. Offensively, they shouldn't have to be much more than average, and they could they could win the division. I don't. I wouldn't expect it. It's not my prediction that they will, but I think if things break right for them, and if Wentz is who. Um, a lot of people think that he is. I'm not necessarily fully on that that train yet. Um, but if he becomes what people think he can become, then, then maybe they can even win that division. And I think that they are definitely right there with the Giants and the, the Cowboys to be a wild card contender for whoever doesn't win the division. Definitely going to be an interesting year in Philly. And now moving on to the NFC North, starting with the uh, perennial NFC North division champion, Green Bay Packers. Yes, they still have the most talented quarterback in the NFL, maybe in NFL history, in Aaron Rodgers, and they even upgraded the offense with the addition of Martell Spenden and Lance Kendricks, who I think can be a very good tight end in the red zone for them this year. But I'm still worried about their defense, especially their secondary, which was just god-awful last year. Do you think the Packers have made the necessary improvements on defense, particularly in the secondary, to get back to the Super Bowl? I don't think that they have. I think that they're going to be in that discussion. And, you know, last year they weren't far away from it. They were pretty close. And, I, you know, we'll get to Atlanta. But, you know, I don't know that, that this team is is not the best team in the NFC. It, it, you know, the NFC is just so crowded with similar type teams. They all have flaws. They all have issues. And I like betting on a team that has Aaron Rodgers. But in the other breath, defensively, I just don't know that they've done enough. I, I can't look at them and say – this is definitely even the best team in the division because defensively they, they have so many question marks on that defensive line. That secondary is still a mess. And, you know, their, their aversion to spending money in free agency, although they got Martellus Bennett, they really could have used some of that money in the secondary. And I think that they really missed an opportunity to go out and spend some, some decent money on a good veteran who could have solidified that cornerback position I, I think ultimately it's going to keep them out of being a, a true Super Bowl contender. They might breach um, pretty deep in the playoffs if Rodgers is, is just on fire, um, which could certainly happen. Um, but overall, I don't look at this team and say that they are a legit Super Bowl contender. 
many people would actually agree with you. Some people even would say that they are a bottom 15 roster minus Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, they have a great offensive line and they have some decent receivers, but I would agree with that, actually. I mean, that it's, and, and a lot of it is just the defensive part of the field. I mean, if you were to combine every roster in the, in the NFC North and draft the defensive players, um, how many would you pick that were, from Green Bay that would be starters? And you'd probably say maybe just Clay Matthews. And, you know, that's it. The rest of the team, maybe Nick Perry. I mean, I I don't even know. I don't even know that I would go that far. Kenny Clark is interesting. Mike Daniels. It, yeah, Mike Daniels. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Daniels would be the only home run. And I think that Matthews would probably be a guy that is like a rotational rusher. So I just, I think that's a major concern. Like if you look at it through that scope, they're just lacking bona fide stars. And Daniels is probably the best one, but I just don't know that that's enough, especially since we've, we, you know, I only mentioned two pass rushers. Um, and then, a, you know, a guy who plays nose tackle. So I just, I don't know that that's good enough to, to lead them that deep. Sadly, in Aaron, for Aaron Rodgers' case, it probably won't. And uh, moving on to the division runner-up last year, the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford delivered an MVP caliber performance last year until he injured that middle finger on his throwing hand, and that obviously hampered his play the remaining uh, way. Um, and do you think Matthew Stafford can deliver another MVP caliber performance this year? Some people say he can be the MVP this year. I don't. I, I don't think that he was really that tremendous last year. And I know that he is a guy that got a lot of that buzz. I'm, you know, I like Stafford in general, but uh, I think he's really changed the way he's played. And I don't know that that's for the better. It's made him more efficient. It's made him more, um, a little bit statistically more efficient and, and friendly to the eye. But overall, I don't know that it's for the betterment of that team. I think that they need explosive playmaking from the position. I think that they need the downfield passing and the Stafford of old. Uh, I thought that that was a, a better Stafford for that team, especially this year with that defense. It's so bad. That defense is, is similarly bad um, to Green Bay. They have a little bit more uh, cornerback talent, and Glover Quinn is a great safety um, but you know, they don't have any pass rushers. They don't really have any linebackers that are proven. Uh, Jared Davis, the rookie has really struggled. So it's going to be a lot on Stafford. Uh, the offensive line has already been banged up. We'll see if they can get back to hundred percent. Um, Amir Abdullah, I think is still a question mark. Um, he's going to have the opportunity to be a star. So hopefully he can take advantage of that. They have a couple good receivers. Um, so I think that the, the weapons are in place there for them to be better on offense and for Stafford to take uh, to kind of take advantage of that opportunity. But to me, I don't think that Stafford's really been as good as some think, and maybe that's just me being lower on him than, than the public. Very interesting analysis nonetheless, Ian. And moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that, unlike the Lions and Packers, have a tremendous defense, studs on all three levels of the defense, yet... They started 5-0 and last year, but their offensive line essentially torpedoed uh, their season. And watching them in their preseason affair with the 49ers last night, uh, yes, they signed Riley Reif and Mike Remmers to upgrade the tackle positions, but it didn't look too encouraging whatsoever. Do you think the Vikings offensive line will block their pathway to the playoffs again? Yeah, I you know, the offensive line, to me, that's one of the number one things I look at for every team and being a contender, especially in the NFC, where the NFC, you've got teams like Seattle, um, even with Green Bay, you know, we mentioned they've got a couple of dangerous pass rushers, um, but it, it seems like the NFC in general is a little bit more loaded, I think, um, with quality pass rushers. 
And I don't know why that is. It just kind of seems where the trends have gone. And so when I break down this team, it's just, again, it comes down to, to injuries. It comes down to lack of depth um, and, and signing guys that really are kind of average. I mean, you look at Mike Remmers, he's, he's not good. Like he, and he, they gave him a lot of money to be not good. Riley reef is pretty decent at left tackle, but in elf line, I thought that was a great pickup um, in the draft, especially in the third round, but their guard situation is still pretty tough. The offensive design I think is pretty limited. And I, I do like Sam Bradford for what he is. I th- I probably like him more than maybe some others, but he's kind of a limited guy too. He's only going to make, you know, take advantage of so much. He's not going to really create and make the best out of a situation. He's kind of going to kind of just uh, take what's given. And I think that that becomes a flaw at some point too. It's going to be enough. And I think that they have a good chance to win their division again. Um, just like last year, they were right in the mix and, uh, and had the opportunity to, to go pretty far in the playoffs. But ultimately it comes down to what is your biggest weakness. And I don't think that your biggest weakness can be the offensive line. Most definitely. And uh, the fact that having a good offensive line is almost as hard to come by as having a good quarterback. It makes perfect sense why offensive line is considered a litmus test for where a team uh, is at. And moving on to the Chicago bears in my hometown of the windy city. uh, I first was very, very skeptical, obviously, and detested the Mitchell Trubisky pick. But after seeing Trubisky this preseason and after seeing uh, uh, Leonard Floyd, Cody Whitehair, and Jonathan Bullard uh, uh, break out uh, this preseason, Ryan Pace is quietly setting the Bears in a positive direction, especially via the draft. So the Bears, kind of like the Browns, they're a team that's not going to win a lot of games this year, but I think is going to be competitive at each and every game, especially if they stay healthy. But I was especially impressed uh, with Mitchell Trubisky uh, dur- during this preseason. He is definitely miles and light years ahead of where I expected him to be at this point. And my question is, when will we see Mitchell Trubisky this year? And how optimistic are you about him after watching his preseason tape? Yeah, I I thought he had a pretty impressive preseason set of games. To me, I would go with him as the starter. And I don't think that that's going to be expected, at least right out of the gate. I think that they're going to go with uh, go with the veteran, go with Mike Glennon. And, and I can understand why. I think that they want to make sure and be 100% sure that Trubisky's ready. I don't think that Trubisky's going to walk in and be much more dynamic um, right away than Glennon's going to be. I think they're going to be similar performers early, but I think that you want the upside of Trubisky long-term uh, to be developed. And I think that he will. I, I'm pretty pretty excited about what Trubisky brings to the table. But they've got a great running game. Uh, receiver-wise, the Cameron Meredith injury was terrible, uh, really hoping that he's going to be able to come back on the field um, in the near future. I'm obviously not 2017, but hopefully 2018, and I know the 2018 is even in doubt right now. They've got a very underrated offensive line, though. Uh, Bobby Massey might be the worst one on that unit, and he's he's at least okay, uh, but the rest of the unit's great. Charles Lino's developed into a, a solid average um, left tackle, which, I mean, that's all you can ask for for a former seventh-round pick. So uh, defensively, they're fast, they're physical. They've got some corner issues. They didn't really address the position as far as adding a star, but they did get more depth, and that was a huge problem last year was just depth. They ran out of healthy bodies, and that became a huge issue. Safety is not a great position for this team either, uh, but they've got the potential to become better. They've got Eddie Jackson back there. I'm pretty excited about his future. Hopefully he can continue to earn some more snaps, but this is going to be a tough team. This is going to be a tough physical team. I don't know that they're going to win a lot of games. I think maybe six games for them is what they could be looking at, but 
but I also wouldn't be shocked either if they go to Trubisky and they're able to pull out a few more wins. And a lot of that's going to be because, again, just almost like Baltimore, where it's like their physicality is going to uh, catch teams off guard. They're going to hang into some games that maybe they shouldn't. And then it just comes down to clutch playmaking if they can find enough scoring late in games to kind of take victories. I don't know that they're ready for that yet, but I think that they're going to be a team that's going to be on the upswing. Completely agree there, Ian. I believe the arrow is pointing firmly upward in Chi-Town. And now on to the NFC South. And when I look at this division, I am just in awe of the offensive firepower in this division. You obviously have the Atlanta Falcons, who were obviously the best offense in the NFL last year, and they return most everybody. Uh, Then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who added a boatload of weapons for Jameis Winston via the draft ad free agency. And you have, uh, obviously, Drew Brees, who's still slinging it as good as ever. And Michael Thomas has grown into a top 15 receiver. And the Panthers, with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, he could add a, a dimension that they sorely missed last year that they had that they had in 2015. So given the offensive firepower in this division, do you think it's out of the question that the NFC South could be the most competitive division in football this year? Yeah, I think I'm definitely expecting it to be up there. And it's not going to be competitive like some of the other divisions because the teams are are not very good. Um, or maybe because they have fatal flaws. I think that this is a situation where all of these teams are actually pretty decent, um, with the exception of the Saints' defense. Um, but they're, they've kind of been known to do that. They, they're still going to be competitive in, in spite of their defense. And so you're right. Like This is going to be the question of can the Atlanta Falcons overcome the loss of Kyle Shanahan? Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can their defense make enough plays and can Jameis Winston be consistent enough to take advantage of that tremendous surrounding cast that he has. Um, So it's, you know, Carolina, can they kind of find the defensive playmaking that they lost after they, they released Josh Norman and can they flip the field as often as they did two years ago? So all of these teams have some question marks, but I don't think that they're huge question marks. I think that they're question marks that they can for the most part overcome. um, But it it, it just kind of depends on the severity that they are able to overcome or they aren't able to overcome. And that's what's going to determine this. So I think that we're looking at a one or two game difference between a lot of these teams. And it's going to be interesting because I think that that maybe the Saints might be the worst team in that division, but they're still a pretty dangerous team on a weekly basis. So this is, yeah, I think this is the most difficult to project. I think that it's easy to go with the Falcons. I, I think I like the, the Buccaneers the most, though, especially as, after Cal Shanahan has left. And I have some questions about how they're going to run that offense and if they can continue to be as explosive as they were last year. Maybe they are able to. And if they are able to, then that's probably the best team in the division. It's going to be very interesting to watch indeed. And speaking of the Falcons, I agree that a regression is obviously inevitable. Uh, Yes, especially given the uh, departure of Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers, but also the fact that the Falcons offense was otherworldly last year. It is dramatically unfair to expect the same uh, this year. But I don't think uh, the Falcons matching that production might even be necessary because I expect this Falcons defense to take a pretty big leap. They have Dan Quinn has transformed this defense from absolute garbage before he came in to extraordinary promise in just two years. It, it's just been studied to see how quickly he's turned it around and how more he is going to turn it around uh, eventually. If you l- look at this defense, you, you have a 
two promising young pass rushers and Vic Beasley and Takaris McKinley. You've got Dantari Poe. If he stays healthy, he could be a force against the run. Grady Jarrett, who had his coming out party at the Super Bowl, could take the next step this year. And that young secondary with Desmond Trufant coming back healthy and Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen is also a guy that's uh, stood out to me there. This defense could take a huge quantum leap this year. How big of a leap can it be? And do you think it will be enough to potentially win back-to-back division titles? You know, I'm, I'm torn on that. I, I'm really not sure. Um, it's hard to project that type of leap, um, especially in a year where I thought that, you know, it, they kind of caught me by surprise last year in a sense. So <clears throat> is it realistic to, to expect, you know, on a year-to-year basis, yeah, I think I think maybe it is realistic. I just don't know that I'm fully buying in yet. I look at that situation and I say, what have the teams around them done? And have the other teams around them gotten better enough to really be um, more of a, a competitor? And, and and I think that they have. So to me, that's going to be one of the – actually, that's one of my top storylines entering this year personally, um, although maybe that's not what everyone else is looking at. But to me, that's going to be fascinating to see. It most certainly is, and – Let's move on to the team that I think could give them their biggest run for the money this year. As you mentioned, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as I mentioned, they have added a boatload of weapons for Jameis Whitson by shining Deshaun Jackson in free agency and drafting OJ Howard and Chris Godwin, who's looked pretty good uh, in training camp and preseason, and a young defense that quietly dominated the second half of the 2016 season, albeit it wasn't all peaches and cream. As you said, they need to make more game changing plays. Uh, you said you see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surpassing the Falcons and winning the NFC South, but some have also predicted that they could surprise like the Falcons did last year and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Do you think they can pull off such a feat? Uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm not going to go that far. I don't think I'm going to go as far as saying that they can make it to the Super Bowl. Is it possible? Absolutely. Because Jameis Winston, you know, if he can improve a little bit um, as far as his consistency, And that's kind of why I hesitated on the Falcons because there's a possibility that Jameis Winston does and that now that he's gotten all these weapons, literally just has uh, almost too many weapons. I mean, we're going to see their first-round pick, O.J. Howard. He might not get a ton of playing time because of their other weapons or he may not get a ton of targets because of the other weapons that they have in that offense. So he, he just has so many weapons that it's going to be really almost impossible to stop for defenses unless if the offense makes too many mistakes on their own. Um, the advantage, the opportunity is going to be there, I think, um, almost every drive for them to hit big plays, and then it's just going to be up to the execution to make it happen. And you can't say that for a majority of teams. Um, but I am buying this team as a di- potential division winner. I don't know about Super Bowl yet because I think that's – once you reach a certain st- stage in the playoffs, and we saw this with uh, Dallas last year, I think experience really matters. And this team doesn't have that experience. Even the guys that they've brought in as free agents don't have that type of deep playoff experience. And so I value that uh, maybe a little bit more uh, than others do. But I'm definitely looking at this team as a potential uh, division winner. I am as well. And you mentioned the New Orleans Saints uh, defense. And obviously they've been at the bottom of the barrel defensively in the National Football League these past uh, three seasons And I don't expect their defense to be anything special this year at all, but I think they have uh, quietly improved in some respects. Like I, Sheldon Rankins, he played very well in the games he was active last year. And I think he could take the next step forward, giving their defensive line, a quality interior pass rush with him and Cameron Jordan. And they also drafted Marshawn Lattimore, who was arguably the best cornerback prospect in this year's draft. And he looked very good on Saturday night. Uh, So, 
do you think the New Orleans Saints have done just enough on defense to potentially get back to the playoffs as a wild card? You know, I was I was really watching them intently these last two weeks um, in preseason, especially this past week as they played a lot of their starters. And it still, to me, just does not look like a talented unit. It just doesn't look like a team that has enough firepower on that defensive side um, to make it happen. I, I like some of the things that they do that they've done. I think that they're getting closer uh, to reaching that point. They continue to dip and to invest the safety position. I think that their corner position is getting stronger. Marshawn Lattimore looked fantastic uh, this past game. I think he's going to be a real stud, but they lack pass rushers outside of Cameron Jordan. Sheldon Rankins, I think he's going to continue to come into his own as an, as an interior rusher, um, but I don't know who they have that's going to clean up on the other side of Jordan, especially. Um, and, and specifically also looking at the linebacker position, AJ Klein was nice, but is he really good enough to be their full-time middle linebacker? I don't know that he is. So to me, this is still a defense with a lot of question marks, and it's just it's kind of amazing that we're still saying that five years after the fact that since this defense really became putrid. That's what horrible salary cap management will do to you, ladies and gentlemen. And concluding our stay in the NFC South with the Carolina Panthers, I mentioned Christian McCaffrey earlier. He definitely looked extraordinarily promising in the preseason, and when I look at the Panthers and what they did in 2015, I think the thing that made their offense click in 2015, as Merrill Hodge said, was the diversity of their rushing attack. They could run read option plays with Cam Newton. They could run a power game with Jonathan Stewart up the gut, and they could uh, run uh, reverses and counter reverses with uh, Ted Ginn Jr. And they, they lacked that last year. And that I think was one of the two reasons why uh, they fell off so drastically along with uh, the injuries they had uh, on the offensive line. But with the addition of Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, when he gets healthy and the return of the offensive line to full health, do you think the Panthers can replicate their 2015 success on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I am expecting definitely a jump on the offensive side of the ball. I'm excited to see what they can do with Curtis Samuel as a slot receiver. Um, I'm not entirely bullish and excited for, uh, for Calvin Benjamin in terms of what he's going to bring, but now they don't have to rely on him nearly as much, partially because of McCaffrey. McCaffrey's so explosive. He's going to be so fun to watch this year. And Newton, I think, in general, is going to look a lot better this year. I just think uh, from, a, from a standpoint of what he was put in as far as his position last year, being such a downfield passer, he didn't have the weapons to really do that effectively. And so I'm expecting a, definitely a leap from this offense from last year. I think the offensive line... It's going to be a little bit better, too, uh, with Daryl Williams and Matt Khalil at the tackle position. So uh, hopefully they can stay healthy along that offensive line, especially uh, Matt Khalil because he's had issues staying healthy. Um, but I am expecting definitely an improved offense from this unit, and they're going to probably have to do that because their defense is, is it's decent, but it's not great. And again, for them, lacking playmakers, and that's going to be the big issue for them. So if, if the offense can be a little bit more explosive – they, again, are going to be right in that mix to, to win the division. Absolutely, and you mentioned their defense. Yes, we know how great their front seven is, but their secondary definitely remains a work in progress, and I think their defensive success could hinge on the year two development of James Bradbury and Darrell Worley. Yeah, absolutely. Those are, to me, I mean, obviously being a defensive backs guy for BR, that they're going to be my, my top concern. Um, but we've got to see more playmaking from Bradbury, and we've got to continue to see consistency from Worley. Worley had some really good games last year, but he would also follow them up with terrible games, just just having no idea where he's at um, and what his assignment is. And Bradbury, 
He's got all the physical tools in the world, so can he put them together, become a playmaker? And those are tough expectations on a guy, but that's what they need at this time, so we're going to have to judge them harshly. We most certainly will, and from one of the NFL's most competitive divisions to one of the NFL's least competitive divisions, the NFC West. And let's start with the defending NFC West champion, Seattle Seahawks. Do you think the Seahawks have one more Super Bowl run left in them, especially if the LOB and Russell Wilson stay healthy, or are they a team in decline, as many have said? You know, I think this is a team that that's not necessarily on the decline because, and you know, I talked about this with the with the Vikings. That I don't think your offensive line can be that bad and be your your biggest negative. This team sort of feasts on that almost. They allow uh, Russell Wilson to do his best work while on the move, and it almost plays into their strengths because the offensive line is bad. It's it's a weird situation. It's a very unique situation. Um, I don't know that I'd say that they're declining. They're definitely aging, so there is that to consider. But I like the pickup of Tremaine Brock for the defensive backfield. Um, I think that they're going to be able to upgrade uh, that cornerback situation from last year, not only with him, but also Pierre Desir. Those guys have played well in the, in the preseason offensively. It's just what can they do as far as that offensive line? That's It's tough. They need better play. I don't know how much better play they need, um, but there definitely has to be some sort of improvement. I, I wouldn't say declining. I think they're going to be at the top of the NFC once again. I think they're probably my top contender to make the Super Bowl. Um, it's just hard. It, it it goes against my grain to say that with the offensive line, but we've seen them make it work for so long now that we know that they're going to be contenders. The question is just how much can they overcome with that line and will the defense be a little bit more effective than last year? And and some of that's going to be health related. So I, I'm I'm optimistic on them partially because I'm not fully buying into their competition. I still think this is a better team than like Green Bay, for example. And I think that they probably are a better team than Atlanta too. And uh, we will see whether that assessment proves true at Week One in that pivotal matchup between the Seahawks and Packers at Lambeau Field, and you mentioned the Seahawks aging a little bit, but let's move on to a team that's aging even more in the Arizona Cardinals. Do you think this year is the last hurrah for Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald? I I think it will. Carson Palmer's kind of talked about being able to play as long as he can, Um, so he might be the guy that maybe sticks around, but it also depends on uh, Bruce Arians, too. If Bruce Arians hangs him up, then I would guess that all three of them go at the same time. I, I think Carson maybe wants to play one more year after this year. Um, it doesn't seem like he's all in on this year, but it's, it's you know, if they go out and they have a really bad season again, uh, I don't know how he would come back. I don't know why they would beg him to come back, especially at a high cap number. Um, but they continue to push off trying to find a quarterback of the future. So maybe they feel more confident that he's going to be able to play two more years, well, one more year in addition to this year. Yes, and that team will obviously run through David Johnson. And do you think David Johnson and the and the youngsters on defense can power the Cardinals back to the playoffs in a wild card spot? Oh yeah, I mean this is this is definitely a team that can win. Uh, definitely eight or nine games. I think that they're just so explosive on offense. Defensively, I love the depth that they added. I really love the fact that they got Buda Baker. Um, I like Hassan Reddick. I think that they maybe drafted him a little too early for my blood, but I get it. I understand it. I think he's going to fit in well there once he gets a grasp on the position. Um, hopefully that happens sooner than later. Robert Kimdiche has looked really good when he's played in the preseason. Chandler Jones is very good. 
Um, they have the pass rushers that they need. They have a little bit of concerns at cornerback, and ultimately Patrick Peterson makes that easier. Buda Baker makes that easier. If Tyron Matthew, and I think he's going to be the X factor here defensively, if Tyron Matthew is the Tyron Matthew from two years ago, then this is going to be a unit and probably a team that does make the playoffs. If he's a guy from last year who is getting over injury and looked about 85% of what he used to be, then they might have some more issues and they might not be able to reach that that top level of their potential. Um, and they have some issues at receivers too, especially with, with injury history and current injuries that they need to clear up too. But overall, I do like this team. The offensive line has to play a little bit better than what we've seen in the preseason, but they definitely have the upside to be a wild card team. They most certainly do. And moving on to the Los Angeles Rams and Jared Goff. In week two of the preseason, as I alluded to earlier, Jared Goff just tore up that Raiders secondary, albeit with mostly underneath passing, but that plays to his strengths, to uh, new head coach Sean McVay's credit, and uh, he's going to get a lot of those opportunities this year. But last week uh, in their preseason match against the Chargers, we kind of saw the rookie version of Jared Goff in which he turned the ball over twice. So uh, I do expect improvement, but the question is how – big will it be? So what are some reasonable expectations from Jared Goff in this his second year and his first in Sean McVay's offense? Yeah, I think we've seen so far that already his passing has gotten a lot better under Sean McVay. Not only from the standpoint of the scheme is getting uh, more open looks and creating easier reads for him than what we saw last year from an offense that didn't make sense. Um, but I also do expect a little bit more um, consistency as far as the turnovers. And, and that was a concern for me this past game as well. Um, he had two bad turnovers. Um, now I played well outside of those turnovers, but then again, it's like, well, the turnovers are still really bad and they were very costly. So it, it's one of those things where you can't take one step forward and just take two steps back right after that. Um, but overall, I think he's looked better in this preseason. He's looking more confident. He's looking much more comfortable in the pocket. And I think that Andrew Whitworth's presence definitely helps with that. Um, but ultimately, I, I think that we're going to see uh, a team and a player that is more effective, more efficient, and does improve. I just hope that the turnovers improve, too. Like uh, He's going to be slinging the ball a little bit more down the field at times than we saw last year, um, playing off those shorter passes. And so he's he was a good deep ball thrower in college. Um, the question is, can he continue that at the NFL Having two new rece- having three new receivers really at the top of the depth chart is going to be something that might take some time to adjust to. Um, but I am expecting a big leap from Jared Goff. I do think he's going to be a much better player this year, and I think that the talk of bust will probably start to quiet um, after a really rough uh, rookie campaign. I believe it will as well. And concluding our tour of the NFC with the San Francisco 49ers, we mentioned two other similar teams earlier, as in the Cleveland Browns and Chicago Bears. Two teams that probably won't win a lot of games this year, but um, are headed on the upswing, and I think the 49ers are in that camp as well. How tough of an out do you think the 49ers will be this year? I personally think they can be very competitive in nearly every game, given Kyle Shanahan's presence. He's going to get the exact most out of uh, Brian Hoyer like he did in Cleveland, and also their promising young defensive front seven is going to give offensive coordinators a lot of headaches. Yeah, he sure is. And the the thing is, is that Brian Hoyer is probably one of the least talented starters in the league, but it doesn't matter with a guy like Kyle Shanahan because he's going to put all of these players in the best position to succeed, and he's going to make it as easy as possible for them to find success and be effective. And they are going to be a frustrating opponent. 
They're going to be a team that teams hate to play because you know what? You enter that game knowing that you're a better team than them. You know that you've got more talent. You know that you should be able to beat them. But if you only show up and play 80% at your best, they're going to be right there and they might end up beating you because of their coaching, because of their execution level. Their physicality on defense has improved quite a bit with Ruben Foster's presence. They've gotten a little bit more length and a little bit more explosiveness explosiveness in the front seven and in the back four uh, with Richard Robinson at corner. Dante Johnson, I'm excited to see him play a little bit more. Eric Reed looks finally healthy. Solomon Thomas, and I mentioned Reuben Foster. There's a lot more talent on this defense that they've added the last couple of years, and now I think they're going to be in a bit better position as some of these guys have matured. So this is going to be a tough team. This is maybe not a team that breaks five or six wins. Um, I think that they'll probably get to maybe maybe that range. I would probably put their over-under at five and a half. Um, but they're going to be a team that you hate to play because they've got a good mix of veterans and young players who are explosive. They most certainly do. And once again, he is Ian Wharton, ladies and gentlemen, of BleacherReport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. And Ian, we thank you so much for donating your time and your amazing in-depth knowledge to our first annual NFL season preview here. But uh, before we go, we want to make some 2017 predictions here. And uh, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to list uh, the category, like, for example, whether it's a league MVP or Super Bowl 52 winner, and you just uh, – Give me your prediction and a brief reason why. Starting with league MVP, who will be the 2017 league MVP? I will go with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think that we're going to see a dip, a little bit of a dip from uh, Matt Ryan in that offense. And I thought that Rodgers should have won it last year. Sometimes the universe has a weird way of correcting itself that that next year. And so I think that Rodgers is going to, uh, he's going to get better play out of his weapons for one. I think that you're going to see Devontae Adams and, and Jordy Nelson kind of play better from the start of the season. That'll dispel any issues and any uh, talk like last year where uh, Rodgers struggled, whereas he really didn't, his his weapons did. We're not going to have that same grace period. So I think it's going to be a, a really productive and another great year from Rodgers and people will take notice. I most certainly think so. And uh, how about offensive player of the year? I will go with Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell is a guy in a contract situation. We know that he wants to totally revamp how the running back position is viewed as far as paychecks, and therefore he's going to be motivated to do as much as possible. Not that he's not anyways, but I think that he's really going to have another special year this year. Uh, you know, I think he's going to hopefully be healthy. That's going to be the number one thing. Um, but he took, off, he took some time off in this preseason, so maybe he'll come to camp and uh, the regular season even in even better shape, maybe take less hits. Um, than what he had in previous years. So I'm going to go with Bell. Defensive player of the year. This is a this is an extremely tough one because there's so many good um, candidates. Part of me wants to go with Marcus Peters from Kansas City, but that's such a tough thing to win as a as a cornerback, uh, even with as many interceptions that he gets. So I'm going to go um, with the pass rusher. I think I'm going to uh, I think I'm going to stay with. Um, Actually, no, I'm going to change my mind at the last second. I'm going to go out to the Rams. I'm going to say Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald, another guy who's fighting for a contract extension, I think that they're actually going to get that deal done, hopefully here soon. Um, but I think that Aaron Donald's going to be the guy that does that. I think he's going to just continue to be a monster. And when you look at the tape, he's a guy, whether he's putting stats up or not, and he does put up the stats, he's just unblockable, completely unblockable. 
And I think that this is the year where he's going to just be able to put together the numbers. Um, hopefully under Wade Phillips' defense, he's going to be given even more opportunities to get single blocking. Um, and he's going to just take advantage of that every single time he's he has the opportunity. So I'm going to go with a little bit out of the box. Um, the other guy I was thinking was uh, I thought maybe Khalil Mack with the sacks. But I'm going to go with Donald just because it's fun to go with someone else. And those are very reasonable expectations, and. In addition, folks, uh, Benjamin Albright, another friend of the show, was reporting these past couple days that expect to see Aaron Donald back with the Rams very, very soon. And uh, you can expect a gigantic year from him in that Wade Phillips defense, just like J.J. Watt and Von Miller enjoyed in that same scheme in years past. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, that one I will go with. Uh, I'll go with Deshaun Kaiser. I actually think Kaiser's going to be in a really good situation. He's going to go. He's going to be up and down, um, just because, like I mentioned, that's his nature. But I think overall, he's going to take advantage of a great surrounding cast. The other guy I would consider for that is Dalvin Cook, out of Minnesota. I just think that he's an explosive playmaker, and he's going to be a guy. Um, he's going to have that full workload and that ability uh, to take advantage of the opportunity there. Whereas other some of the other rookies like Leonard Fournette, jo- uh, Joe Mixon. Um, McCaffrey, I think, is going to be in the mix, but Cam Newton's presence there kind of hurts and takes away from what he's going to be able to put up. Um, so I think Cook is another guy, but but Watson, or I'm sorry, not Watson, uh, Kaiser is going to get every opportunity being a quarterback to to take that and grab it by uh, by by the throat and just take advantage. Defensive rookie of the year. That one, I'm going to go with Ruben Foster. I think Foster's going to be just a stud. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that produced a lot of turnovers in college. But he creates highlight plays, and he racks up a ton of good tackles, and he plays within the scheme, and he makes impact plays as a tackler. Um, so to me, he's going to be a guy that stands out from day one. He's already stood out in preseason. Um, so for me, he's – you know, Miles Garrett is going to be tremendous, and don't get me wrong, I think tremendous um, is even maybe underselling what he's going to do because he has already been um, a fantastic player in the preseason. But – I think Foster's going to be the guy that has the stats to back it up. Garrett's going to be more of a film guy, um, whereas it's a little bit harder, especially on a defense that that has so many pass rushers. He might not be able to break seven or eight, maybe you know, sacks this year. Whereas Foster's probably going to have a hundred and some tackles, and I think that's going to win people over. Yeah, I agree about Reuben Foster. God, that hit against Dalvin Cook that he made last night was just was just eye-opening. He is an absolute stud, and I just don't understand why he lasted that long in the draft. Yes, I understand the injury issues, but that late, especially if you're a playoff contender, you got to take that risk. But uh, that's uh, another story. How about offensive breakout performance? And we're talking non-rookies here. Um, I will go with... I'll go with uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's a known quantity, so maybe that's maybe that's not the best candidate. But I think that his situation is going to be a lot better this year, um, just from a scheme standpoint. Hopefully, from a health standpoint as well. Um, I feel like Jeffrey was kind of forgotten about the last couple years in Chicago, um, not only due to injuries but also because of just really poor quarterback play. Even when Cutler was there, um, I, I think Jeffrey's going to be a guy that if he's healthy, he can maybe get finally get 16 games of tape out there and stats. And, and I think that that's going to be very influential to people remembering um, just how good he is. Very interesting decision there, Ian. And how about defensive breakout performance? 
Um, that's another great question. I'm trying to think of maybe emerging cornerbacks specifically. Um, you know, I will go with a guy that I think that maybe is undersold nationally. Um, I think Bradley Roby is just fantastic. And I, I've been kind of singing his praises for a couple of years, um, but I, I really do think that he is, he is great at what he does. Um, he gets undersold because of the presence of, uh, of uh, Aqib Tlaib, especially having such a good year last year. But maybe we start to see Tlaib take a step back. I've been kind of worried about that as I'm looking at things um, this past year. And, the, and the, a big reason why is when you consider that he's going to be over the age of 30, He's a guy that uh, at that position, that generally is going to be the cutoff where like you're starting to see a nosedive. Um, I would not be surprised if Roby starts to take that cornerback two spot. And I mean, they're, they're both going to be outside corners, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Roby really starts to grab that, that position and, and maybe people st- maybe start to take him less for granted as like the third cornerback that benefits from that great pass rush and maybe hopefully appreciates his talent for what it is. This Broncos fan definitely hopes you're right about that. And how about comeback player of the year? Oh, that's another great one. Um, trying to think what the major injuries were last year. Um, JJ Watt. Yeah, I guess I guess JJ Watt. Yeah, JJ Watt or Jamal Charles. Um, I'd love to see Jamal Charles get get more looks. I don't know that he's going to get the volume to really do that. Um, I think Watt would be the yeah Watt would probably be the obvious one. Um, he's looked really good in the preseason too on, on the little bit that he's played. He doesn't, I don't know that he's ever going to be a hundred percent back to what he was, but even if he's 90% of what he was, I think Watt's a great example. So I, I, part of, part of it is I can't really think of off the top of my head who's coming off of injury. It's not like last year, last year we had 10, 10 or 12 guys coming off a major injury that were poor play that we couldn't rattled off. And we ended up having a really deep pool of candidates this year. I don't know that we have that deep pool of candidates. So I'll go with, I'll go with Watt. Yeah. Last year was an anomaly in terms of injuries to star players. And who are the eight division champions this year? Okay. So for this one, we'll do, um, I'll go with the Patriots Steelers. Uh, AFC West is super tough. I'll do, I'll go Titans in the South, the West. Uh, if the Broncos go Kaepernick, I'll take the Broncos. If they don't, then I'll take the Chiefs. Um, NFC North, I'll take the I'll take the Vikings. NFC West, I'll take the Seahawks. NFC South, um, I'll take the Buccaneers. And the NFC East, I'll take the Cowboys again. Who are the wild card playoff teams? I'll go with the Falcons and the uh, and the Eagles in the NFC, and in the AFC, I'll go with the. Oh man, this is so hard. <laughs> um, I'll go with the. I'm trying to think of, I guess I'll go with Houston, and I'll go with the. I'm just trying to decide on the AFC West team. I guess I'll go with the Broncos. Uh, ultimately, I still trust that defense. Uh, that would be great, uh, especially in this Broncos fan's opinion. And what about the Super Bowl 52 matchup and winner? All right, so I will go with the Patriots, and the Patriots will win. 
um, and I'll take the Seahawks in a rematch. And I just, it's, it's, I just think that the Patriots are so much better than everyone else this year. Um, if Brady's upright and that offensive line is is mostly upright, I think we're going to see a Patriots repeat. I agree as well, but hopefully that Super Bowl 52 rematch between the Patriots and Seahawks, if it does come to fruition, will be just as bit as entertaining as Super Bowls 49 and 51. And Ian Wharton, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch his work every week at BleacherReport.com, especially his work on cornerbacks for the NFL 1000 series, which comes out every week of the regular season. You are highly encouraged to check it out and check out his Twitter feed at NFL Film Study. He, uh, Puts leaks to film cut-ups from all the games. It, it, it's just a treat. He is one of the best minds in the business. I can't say that enough. And I can't thank you enough, Ian, for making our first annual NFL season preview here on Sports Watch with DCROM a success. And we hope to have you on this program in the near future. Hey, thanks so much, David. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, looking forward to a really fun and exciting season. I am as well, Ian. You're very welcome. And that is all for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. But we'll be back in a few days with some last-minute tips for your fantasy football draft with our good friend Jake Arthur. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Ian Wharton, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long. And, of course, stay awesome.